Webtooners. I'm Erin. I'm Victoria. I'm Rebecca. And this is Out of Tune. Yay, guys. Back for another episode on the pod. Yay. Yay. <sighs> well, <laughs> it's been a week. It's been a week. We're already going like, well, it's been a week, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, well, a very important thing happened this week on Monday. It was, what's the official International Women's Day? Yes. yes. And so we thought, you know what, let's focus on some wonderful women. Because all women are wonderful, in my yeah. opinion, and men are trash. Period. <laughs> I mean, it's facts, right? <laughs> we only talk facts here. Only facts. This is a no man pot, no men allowed podcast. I mean, we have had men. I mean, we have had men. I mean, and sometimes, yeah, we will talk about men, but men who are who are better than other men. <laughs> that's 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 what i'm gonna go with yeah that sounds good <laughs> well aaron do you kind of want to start off i think i feel like you are this is your area sure jump in. i know yeah y'all have been doing research too so jump in whenever oh but, totally okay yeah so this week Zikla Saw was actually featured on Google and I think Classic FM. I think yeah. for International Women's Day, but I'm not, I don't remember the holiday. But I remember Hebecca sent a picture of her to us, and then my teacher also posted something on the same day, and I was like, whoa, Zikla Saw. Oh my gosh. Um, but I did a project on her in undergrad because I took an American Indian Studies class that was way above my level of gen ed that I needed to take, but I took <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, planning is not my strong suit. Mm. So I do know of her mostly in like a broader historical context. Mm. Um, also, I'm just like totally in love with her name. Zit I know. Zitkala Saw. It's She's just, so cool. It sounds, oh. I mean, it's so amazing. I've also heard Zitkala Shah. Oh, okay. Shah. Oh, Shah. I... I I watched a video, I can't remember, and they were saying Zitkalasa. So mm. I don't know. There's many pronunciations. And then I was also looking at her mom's name. Not even gonna try to pronounce it because I don't want to butcher it. But I mean, all of all of the Native American names are just mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> Oh, what did you, were you going to say? Oh, something? no, I was just going to, since we started to talk about the language, I, yeah. I did a little bit of research because I was really curious about how it sounds and how actually to pronounce the name of the language. So mm -hmm. it's Lakota mm -hmm. and it's a Siouan language spoken by the Lakota people of the Sioux tribes. Sioux. Sioux, yeah. Oh. Speakers of the Lakota language make up one of the largest na Native American language speech communities in the, in the U.S. They live mostly in the northern plain states of North Dakota and South Dakota. I thought it was very interesting because at first, well, I didn't know her. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing mm -hmm. the research, I didn't, I had no idea where she was from. And I thought it was, uh, when I was researching the language, I thought it was like some African language. And I was very surprised to see that it was like American uh, yeah. native uh, 
tribe. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Indigenous, our indigenous people who we don't yeah. learn about in school. Victoria and I were just talking about this, I think, right before Habakkuk logged on. Um, but how yeah. it's kind of wild. Because even, you know, we don't know a lot about American history because the American public schools, depending on the school, obviously, like, it's more of a state-by-state thing. But a lot of schools kind of just take out all of the bad information and give all the good information and pretend like we're doing good things when really yeah. the bad far outweighs the good in a lot of scenarios. And the... The situation with, you know, Native Americans is definitely one of those. Yeah, and I also, I don't know, I just feel like there's such a... I kind of I kind of find it shameful Yeah, that we don't... Like, that I don't know all of American history. Because there mm-hmm. were people here before us. And we really don't study what happened very much. Or from the Native American perspective, which I'm glad I took this class for. Yeah. And rereading this essay, one of the main things about Zikla saw is that she was really straddling these two cultures, like her Native American culture and then also her, like, Anglo-European culture that she kind of, like, absorbed. Not by... It's weird, too, and I think there are some excerpts from her books that she wrote like memoirs and also Mm -hmm. stories and everything she was a multi-talented woman but there's a point where she's like having a breakdown because she's back living at home with her mother after going to an american Mm -hmm. um they made like boarding schools for american indian children and they'd kind of just take them and put them in these schools but wasn't it like a quaker kind of thing Kind of, yeah. I have some somewhere. I was, I was, re- or I was doing some research about how um, Quaker groups like came to to the reservations, and were kind of like mm-hmm. a- like advertising slash like telling the parents of these children because there were no um, schools on the reservation. They didn't learn like na- the native culture was shared rather than like taught. So, um, the, like these, you know, these Quaker groups or like, I don't know how to say it, like, um, communities came and made schools and would take the children and, you know, tell the parents, Mm -hmm. oh, we'll teach them how to learn or how to read and write English. And I think, um, somewhere I read that her mom was saying, um, or she felt like her mom was like, um, like, oh, well, you know, since you know, you've taken all of this, like, this is kind of like, you owe this to me, to my children, yeah. to, to, to teach them this new language that's here, because they, they, they saw English as, like, a second language coming Yeah. to hear, rather than, like, the primary language. Right. Um, yeah. Which and, makes sense. Yeah, but, and then, but also, the schools actually turned out to be pretty terrible. They were mm-hmm. actually, like, abusive. labor, yeah. abusive, and, and child labor and um and you know also like pretty i mean insulting to native culture because they would cut their hair and in native american culture the only reason that you would i think there's a couple i mean there's probably more but there's like a couple of reasons that you would cut your hair it was like either you were captured by another tribe and it was showed that you were like a coward or you were in mourning 
Like, those were the two main reasons. And, like, one of the first things they did when she got there was that they cut her braids. Mm -hmm. So. Messed up. And also very male gazy as well. Like, the whole thing was just, yeah, it's terrible. And that's very, that's, like, a very surface-level explanation. Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's way more in-depth, and I don't want to, I don't want to, give it an injustice to her her experience there yeah they they would change everything about the the their culture it was mm-hmm. almost like they were being forced to lose their identity as a as a in uh, native right. uh, tribes yeah. uh, like everything about uh, manners or uh, religion or gods mm-hmm. or they tried to change it and yeah which is what it's, ended up which is it's pretty pretty terrible it's yeah really... yeah and this ended up being a source of frustration for a lot of these kids who were stuck between two worlds because on one hand of course you want to maintain that initial heritage because they grew up on our reservation until they were taken to these schools and Zikosa actually learned from her mother and from the tribe a lot even though it wasn't like okay the bell rings and then you go to math class and then you go to this class it was more like you know you learn via communicating with your tribe right yeah things like there's a story that she tells where she asks a man about like a tattoo on his face and he tells her a story about how another man would have gotten a tattoo on his face and it's something like terrifying and but they use it as a learning a mm-hmm. moment like number one don't ask rude questions and number two like tattoos are personal like mm. that's the nature of it <laughs> and that's similar things like beating with her mom you know you pick up little things and tricks on how to do it and you know how to be creative but also stay within the lines and like <laughs> how to yeah. do it properly but, like that's typically how they learned and they have this early stage of life where they're on the reservation and then they get taken and you know, you have the two. Cho- you have like a choice almost. Like, do you continue doing the white people thing and like following what the white people want you to do, or do you go back to your roots? And some people end up choosing to do both, which is what Sakala saw kind of did. She straddled both worlds. And in this class I took, we called that an intermediary. That was kind of the whole point of the class, mm. like. You can think of Pocahontas as one of them, even though the story of Pocahontas is, like, terribly, um... Terribly white, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's very whitewashed and not passed down correctly, but that's kind of the idea. Somebody who communicates with both worlds and kind of works between the two. And I think she probably was in a good position to do so because Mm -hmm. she was, like, her father was wasn't he a Frenchman or something? But he abandoned the family when she was super young and... And then her mom was, I mean, an indigenous person to to yeah. to the um, South Dakota area, or the Yankton or Yankton, Yankton Reservation, right? Yeah, yeah. But also, can I just take a moment because I have to admit my ignorance, even when I was just like looking up where she was born, and she was born in 1876 in South Dakota, and it wasn't a territory, right? Or it was? I think it wasn't. I'm not sure. And, um, yeah, I think it wasn't a territory. It was an Indian reservation. And then it just made me, it's made me to start, like, to think, like, I can, I can't tell you where the different tribes of, of America are in the country. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. And I just don't, I didn't know 
anything about anything right. about this part of the country and about and about the the Indian reservation and and the tribes there and I feel mm-hmm. I feel like I know like very very small details of like indigenous assimilation mm-hmm. um but it's just fascinating to me that she is the person who I am learning about it because that was kind of her I don't want to say goal, but definitely like a, a, a thing that she wanted to make sure that that history wasn't erased because she yeah. was so against it. Um, and or she yeah. didn't approve or support of, of the assimilation. Right. So I, I don't know. I like found some meaning in my research of like, oh, like I was reading about her n- not wanting that history to be erased. And because I was researching her, it's not erased for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just yes. for some reason, I found like some meaning in that. And that's anyway, I want her to know that it's not. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting also to read, like, some of her stories that she wrote, because she translate them. You can find a direct translations and then, like, how she rewrote them. Right. To almost cater to, you know, white children and American children, which is weird. Mm. Uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. But she also did it for... A, like she had reasons to do it like because it, uh, there is a lot of repetition in some of these stories in the way like they are in the native language and if you did a direct translation it, you know a white person might look at it and be like oh that's a lot of repetition that's really weird like they don't know how to speak correctly mm. like you, that just would have been probably what people said at the time so she kind of takes those things out and she like romanticizes things a little bit she'll make the traditional like bad guy good guy narrative mm. even though like in the regular story it's just like gray there's a lot of gray space and some of them are a little bit scarier mm. But she kind of makes them accessible to everyone, which again, it's like, it's uncomfortable. But these days, I think it's good to acknowledge that it's super uncomfortable. But at the time, like, what choice did she have, really? Yeah. But she did find her passion in music quite early. Yay! Yeah, which is awesome. And she played the violin. I think she played piano, too. Um, But she ended up teaching music in like she went to a school that music was taught at and then Mm -hmm. she ended up taking over for her teacher um at some point Mm. which i think is sweet and then she also went to nec to study violin i think she was the first she's just so amazing (laughs) yeah she went to nec I also found an YouTube documentary um, from PBS that when she was 24, she went to the White House and she performed to the president, William McKinley. And because she had uh, training in New England Conservatory, um, she had a lot of choices that Native women at the time didn't have. And people were really fascinated by her performance and by her artistry. She was really good. Later in life, I actually, yeah, so a little later in life, this is kind of how I ended up wanting to study her, I remember. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of information about this, but she ended up writing 
an opera called the Sundance Opera in collaboration with a man named William F. Hansen, who was a composer who ended up teaching at Brigham Young University, which is pretty, like, it's a pretty good co- music school. Mm-hmm. Um, but this created an entirely new genre called Amer- American Indian Opera, and I think it's it's honestly probably the, one of the only pieces in the opera. And I actually, I couldn't get the score. They only have the copy at BYU. And then I think, like, one in the Library of Congress or something like that. Wow. Yeah, so I, like, (laughs) couldn't get it. (laughs) I was also trying to find a recording of some kind, but it was really hard. I just was, too. I like how we were all looking for it. (laughs) Right. I just found some excerpts in a German documentary. Unfortunately, I don't speak German and I couldn't really understand, but there are some parts on that. Yeah, I remember having issues with that too. But her and her husband, Raymond Bonin, he was actually also of Native American descent, but they both wanted to do this opera to replace the Sundance ritual, which is something that was outlawed. And it was outlawed in the US because there's a scene where somebody like stabs themselves which is you know that i think would just require a trigger warning these days and um, but it was probably racist uh in the outlying well, i'm sure hmm. i find this opera very interesting because she was in a phase of her life where she was already uh fighting and very active politically so it was not just an opera it was like she was resisting the denial of religious right. ritual mm-hmm. and trying to elevate the tribal sacred dances and songs yeah. to something that she knew that was respected by the western culture which was opera so mm-hmm. she was really smart making yeah. this yeah this she make- was combining like her her musician side and her political activist side right and her writer side and her cultural side like it's just kind mm-hmm. of incredible the right. things that she accomplished and when the tour uh when the opera made a tour they performed in a lot of cities and the cast was made by americans and indians and white americans so it also opened the possibility to oh. for them to work together which i've i th- i thought it was really great too that's so nice what was interesting while composing the opera she wanted to incorporate traditional melodies Mm -hmm. uh, like native american melodies but it's tough because the violin is like a european instrument so it wasn't craft and so is western tonality it's not i was about to to ask i was like how how does this work it's kind of like the dvorak issue i guess like you can't just like take a whole nother culture and like put it in european like yeah it's kind of weird but what she would do to make this music known is ziklosa would sing and like pluck melodies on her violin Hmm. and then Hanson, the other guy involved, he would uh, kind of improvise on the piano and like write stuff down. So it was very collaborative. Um, and it was actually, it was premiered in Utah and was selected as Opera of the Year by the New York Opera Guild in 1937. Oh. 
An wow. article described it as legends, superstitions, and strange customs. The love life, tenderness, and nobility of a once savage tribe. Oh my god. You'll see that so much when looking at Native American history. It's, mm. yeah, it's just one of those things. They all called them savages. It is Ugh, messed up. So That's messed up. why, like, it didn't, like, for example, the Sundance ritual, like I said, it, like, includes self-impaling, um, mm. but she couldn't include that in the opera, but she made the opera as a way to, like, kind of still celebrate that tradition, because I don't know exactly what the Sundance ritual is or, um, its importance, but it yeah. would be like if they banned Christmas, like, you can't put up a Christmas tree. Like, you know we'd all put up, like, a palm tree or something and put some lights on it. Yeah, I just, you... I find such a... I don't know why culture, why some cultures want to censor other cultures because it's something that's unknown to their culture and they just are like, no, that's wrong. That's not our culture. But then don't think, but that's their culture. Like, I just, I don't know. And like, I I mean, that's, everyone thinks that and I'm, well, not everyone, but some people do. Yeah. (laughs) But I just, yeah. I had a level of frustration reading some things about experiences it's tough we were talking about the um the newsletters and stuff and i found Mm. a video that showed one a picture of the new york daily uh, tribune and it was talking about her so the headline was zikala shah's pretty story as a little girl she ran wild over the prairies and now a musician and author she's working to uplift her beloved race which i at first it didn't sound like quite right so and this um the same video i find uh, i find um quotation of her and it's really interesting so i'm just gonna play it right now Ooh, okay i seem to be in a spiritual unrest i hate this eternal tug of war between being wild or becoming civilized i am what i am i owe no apologies to god or men oh, that last part though wow what a queen it was so vocal also there's a cool quote that i have in here somewhere while Erin's looking for that, I that reminded me of something that she, it's a quote that re, that I came across in my research, where she, I mean, even as a like in her early early memoirs, I I don't know what age she was, but it was definitely like, she was younger, and she said that her she was tired of feeling like a a monkey, like a like an animal caged, right, and like wow, <laughs> yeah. and I feel like that's what colonialism the colonialism model that america is was founded on how they made other people feel mm-hmm. um and the people who were already here feel and it's it's wrong and disgusting yeah, yeah. when she started to teach at a boarding school uh where she, she, her teacher uh mm-hmm. retired it was a boarding school funded by a military of- officer and his idea was to kill the Indian to save oh, the man, I putting that, out yeah. all of the Indian culture. And 
they say that native people at the time they weren't really seen as human beings, which it's totally disgusting. Oh, and also, apparently, America has a problem with this ideal of seeing other people not as full humans. Right. Because it's, it's still, still been, like, it's still continued into, you know. I would say that it's not only, like, an American problem. I was problem. actually, yeah. it's like I was actually wanted American to... Problem because I think in Brazil, I don't know. Also, I also don't know much. I find myself in a very similar situation than you guys about my native tribes i know a little bit more because i lived in one when i was a kid but other than that um it is not very well known and what i hear or sometimes it gets in the news it is is really sad they also in brazil also fight for a lot of rights that they should already have and mm-hmm. their land and their vote um rights and stuff like that so i find that it's of it's not only probably it's not only just american or just a like yeah i problem. i really more. was thinking while doing research i was like i wanted to ask you what's what is it like or if it's the same situation or mentality in brazil i think it's very similar um i don't have much contact but i i believe like it it sounds about right to to assume that like people that don't have contact or don't don't know the Indians in Brazil they just ju- misjudge them and just think about them as inferior, mm. which is very disgusting as Brazil as a Brazilian too. Yeah. Well, here's a a bit of an uplifting. It's I. Th- I love that she wrote this. This was in her... She wrote a book called Old Indian Legends that was catered towards children. Because it's kind of like, you know, Hansel and Gretel. Like, the mm. little things we think read as children. Yeah. Like nursery um, rhymes or something. Yeah, things like that. But the last two sentences are what I love and what I highlighted in this paper. She says, If it be true that much lies in the eye of the beholder... Then in the American aborigin, as in any other race, sincerity of belief, though it were based on mere optical illusion, demands a little respect. After mm. all, he seems at heart much like other people's. But she's basically saying, like, respect these legends. They're yeah. just as yours. And respect us, because we're the same. At, like, the bottom of it, underneath everything, we are the same. We just come from different places. So, yeah. listen up. I don't human know. Human is I, human. She was just very strong, I think, throughout her entire life. And it's not like she asked to do this. She just happened to love music. And she found joy, even in, like, such a... T- tough situation and kind of a disgusting situation too like she still found joy in this other culture as well as everything that she grew up with in her own culture and ended up fighting for her people which I don't know I can't just to be to navigate that world seems so difficult but she did obviously a great job and I'll post these on Instagram for our episode but there are two pictures of her where she did a photo shoot with this woman in new york 
where she's there's one where she's like holding a basket and dressed up in like traditional Native American outfits and I think that's the one that they normally like post on the internet and stuff yeah but then there's another one that she did with the same photographer and it's interesting too because like the first photo with her dressed as a Native American and everything in her traditional stuff like the image is sharper you can see like her jawline and all like her nose the shape she of her nose gorgeous yeah you can see it's super clear, but then there's another picture that's super contrasting where she's like dressed, she's holding her violin, mm-hmm. she's sitting like looking back at the camera very, in a, this pretty dress, like very European, and there's like a paisley floral wallpaper. So contrasting. Yeah, just to, sh- and there's, I think, a little bit of a gauze on the lens of the camera to make her look softer, I, and it's just contrast the like European side yeah or anglo i guess and then her traditional native american side and i think it's just one of those situations where you can see the intention behind the photo shoot and she communicated between these two cultures in every way shape and form humanly possible images art political lobbying operas music teaching just going to a different like it's insane it is she's just such a cool person also one of my favorite things that i learned about her that i didn't mention i should have mentioned it earlier but it's just her name she chose zipkala saw in her teens Mm -hmm. and it means red bird and her birth name was actually Gertrude Simmons, which I mean, like, yeah, Zakala saw is much better than Gertrude Simmons. <laughs> but I just, I found it as almost like an active teenage rebellion in a way, not in a negative way, but in a way of that she had, she had learned or had um, made a decision about herself and how she identifies and how, and about who she is and how she was going to then like live the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I love that. I love that she yeah. was strong enough. Wait, strong enough? Yeah. Smart enough? Everything. Like, to, to understand who she is as a teenager. Right. And I don't know. I found that very that very powerful. But also that she was kind of choosing her, her indigenous side. Right. Um, And I don't know. I love it. I agree with you. I think one of the things that called my attention was exactly this point of her life that she could actually manage to unite both worlds that she lived mm-hmm. when she was growing up and when she was in the boarding school just to uh, mention uh, after she wrote her opera it was a later um, part of her life it was in 1916 she moved to Washington DC to dedicate her life to political activism mm-hmm. and she worked uh, as a secretary of the Society um, of American Indian and in the first civil rights organizations created for and by American Indians she was editing uh, its journal and it was on that journal that she shared a lot of stories and um, also things that happened in the boarding school when she was a kid and mm. she, when she was working and she uh, it was the like the the thing that she learned in the boarding school is like writing but she loved and she used that to promote her 
promote her and her ideas. One of her major causes was to give a citizenship to her own people, which I found it was so beautiful. That is beautiful. She and she actually managed to do that. So it is. I think it was really. It was like a one of her major things. Yeah. It's almost emotional to think about. I I don't know. I get. I'm so touched by her and her story. And she's just an amazing woman. And the fact that I did not know about her until we talked about having her like as like a topic on the podcast. I was like, who is that? Um, but I'm so glad I do now. I find yeah. her to be amazing and a great role, like a great role model for for everyone. Literally everyone. Literally, <laughs> not just women. We can include men in this, but <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can be half the woman that she is. She's amazing. Yeah. Just just uh, quote some more stuff that she she did while she was mm-hmm. um, in the National Council of American Indians. She advocated citizenship rights, better educational opportunities, improved health care, and cultural recognition and preservation. Wow. She was really a stone on on that regard, and she remained active as a spokesperson for Native American concerns until her death, mm. which I find really, like like you, you said, Victoria, when, once she found like her, what she, who she was and what she wanted to do, she really uh, went after and fought for what she believed until the very end. She was, I think I heard that actually, it was um, in the documentary, she says, uh, in my culture, women are also warriors. Mm. And I think that was definitely one of the things that she brought with her. Mm. That's wonderful. Ugh, I'm obsessed with her. I really am. Well, you know who I'm also obsessed with? Ooh. Other women. <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to be talking about on the podcast today. Awesome. We've <laughs> talked about a lot of musicians and composers. And in our list of female composers, we have Etho Smith, Clara Schumann, Carolyn Shaw, Tansy Davies, Amy Beach, and Florence Price. Wow. 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 We are literally a pro-women podcast. Like, we are. <laughs> obviously, hello, but... Nope, I realized until Black History Month, I think we only covered women. Honestly, I don't know if you guys realized, but... <laughs> no, but honestly, I but honestly, I'm completely fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, yeah, and then we branched out. Yeah, for Black History Month, we did we did Joseph Malone and Samuel, Samuel Coleridge-Taylor, yeah. Wow. Look at us! <laughs> So, not forgetting Zitkalasab, but let's start the second half. Mm-hmm. We've each picked a female composer slash musician um, to just briefly, you know, talk a little bit about and then share some music because, you know, we're still celebrating International Women's Day. And to me, every day is International Women's Day. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing for the second half. I'm actually very excited. We haven't talked about who we've picked. I have no idea who you guys picked. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Once oh, we start. I don't want to. 
I'm nervous. I can go first then. Okay. <laughs> so my pick of today is Amy Beach. Oh my god. Uh -huh. I, just, I love her. I just love her and her story, but also her music. When we were talking about sharing music, I was her her music just came to my mind. She was an American composer and pianist. And she was the very first successful American female composer in a large-scale art music. She is very well known for her symphony, but I personally like very much her chamber music. And that's what I'm gonna be sharing with you guys. That is her trio in A minor, Stunning. opus Also going to talk about this. Okay, so yeah, there. I guess there's like a second part to our second half. So second, <laughs> second half, part two. So Aaron had a great idea of talking about our 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 astrological signs, and so we'll talk about ours later. How about that? But let's. What is Amy Beach's star sign? I need to know. She is a Virgo. Whoa. What? I was not expecting that. A yeah. Virgo. I do not understand about science, so please fill me in. I mean, I really can't. I really don't know how to. I mean, I really don't. Do. Okay. Okay, but like, I won't know. To I like, I won't know like a lot about like Virgos. Like, I know that like your your sun, like your sun sign, which is like your main sign, mm -hmm. is like who you are. Um, or who who like you how, how who you feel you are like to yourself, and then your your moon sign is like how you deal inwardly with emotions, and then your rising sign is how you present yourself to others. That is like the depth of my understanding. Now, okay, so here are some for the okay, Virgos. Great. Okay, great. It's a it's an earth element. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quality. It's mutable, mutable, mutable. How do you say that word? Mutable. Mutable. Yes. And its strength is loyal, analytical, kind, hardworking, and practical. Its Ooh. weaknesses is shyness, worry, overly critical of self and others, 
all work and no play. You Which, know, I kind of think... I see Amy Beach as like a shy person. I definitely yeah. see that too. Now that I think about her, if we remind, remember of her story, I can see that, right? Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Amy Beach is a Virgo. Who knew? Uh -huh. Wait, what day? What what is she like? You know, like her day of birth or or no? <laughs> I wonder if they thought about this at all. Probably not. This is like, I mean, it's totally pseudoscience. I think, if anything, like, you can, like, look at your your astrological signs to, like, maybe help you with mental health. Do I really think that they help with, I mean, like, oh, I love it. I, I totally love it. And mm -hmm. I constantly am wondering what people's signs are, just to I know, mean, just to are. see if there is anything. <laughs> no, she is from September 5th. Oh, okay, so she's like, okay, so she's totally, she's not like a cusp, really, of anything. So that's very interesting. <laughs> Victoria. Don't kid yourself. No. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like a lot of my friends from undergrad, though, are way more than me. Like, oh, okay. completely, like, I was definitely on the lower, like, side of, like, I kind of know some stuff, but not a lot. But then there are people who, like, know their entire birth charts and I'm just like that's too much for me to understand and like where their mercury and venus are and I'm just like what's that yeah so anyway can I share mine yeah go okay so mine I kind of found today so a little backstory I didn't practice mm -hmm. today in the afternoon I watched a movie called The Dig which is okay. on um, Netflix. I think it was just added because um, it's a 2021 release movie. But it's based off of a true story about um, an archaeological like ar archaeological discover of like an Anglo-Saxon ship and all of this stuff from like the 6th century. Anyway, it talks about that story, but in the movie they at they like talked about this British cellist named um, Beatrice Harrison. And the story that they were talking about, and this is taking place like right before World War II happens. And so they were talking about how they were listening to the radio and Beatrice Harrison was playing her cello and there was nightingales in the garden with her singing along. And I was like, what? <laughs> is that true? Is that like a made up fiction part of the movie that they just added for fun? Or is that an actual true story? Well, you, got, well, you guys, um, it's true. So... <laughs> um, she was a British cellist active in the first half of the 20th century, and she was especially known for playing the music of Frederick Delius. Don't know who that is, but he was a British composer, um, and she studied at the Royal College of Music. So that's another trend. Not the Royal Academy, but the Royal College of Music. Um, but she became like really popular because she played... Um, or was like broadcasted on the BBC radio and while she was one time she was practicing in her garden I can't remember what piece she was practicing but um, she, she like a nightingale bird started to sing along with her and she's like oh my gosh this is so amazing I have to tell my friends at BBC about it and they need to broadcast it like they need to come to my house and I need to play and have the nightingale sing along with me and they did <laughs> like they literally like yes isn't this just absolutely insane but also wholesome and wonderful yes. at the same time yes. <laughs> um and so 
I have, there's like actual, this one is from um, the 1920, uh, 1930. Um, and she became, it was like every year they, they did this in the springtime. They, they, they like broadcasted her playing some music and the nightingale birds singing along with her. So this one is from 1930. Um, and it's actually, I'm going to play the, so actually I have two. So scratch what I just said. I'm going to start with the first broadcast ever of her with the Nightingales. Okay. And this one was, um, it's in 1924 and she's playing Danny Boy. She actually, like they, like it was 15 minutes of just broadcasting and she played like Elgar, Dvorak. And then finally, when she started playing Danny Boy at the end, they started singing with her. That's so cute. Isn't that just so amazing? Also, I love the way she plays. Like, so good. So that was the first broadcast. Okay. And because, so that was, it became so popular that she ended up getting like 50,000 fan letters Uh about it. About like asking her to do it again. Um, And so they did it like every year during the springtime. And I have another one that is she's doing songs my mother taught me and this one i think is a little bit better quality um also isn't it just crazy like we're listening to something from that long ago like almost 100 years ago
don't know the story that when they talk it was like I mean, like, maybe a 30-second thing that they talked about in the movie. But I was like, I literally had to pause the movie and look it up. I was like, is this real? Yeah. Um, and then to learn about her. I mean, she uh, she was, like, a huge performer and very popular and was performing with different symphonies at the time as well. Um, and she actually, on Spotify, you guys, you can hear her Elgar Concerto, which is so good. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. And I kind of, I guess, wanted to share that because it's uh, the weather has changed here. Yeah. It's super um, springtime right now. I mean, it's been in the 50s for the past few days. And I don't know that that story with with her playing outside with the nightingales. It just reminded me of spring. And yeah, That's and, so and she's an amazing another person. Um, if it weren't for the podcast, I wouldn't have known about. So, mm. yeah amazing yes oh what's her star sign oh my gosh i almost forgot my favorite part <laughs> um uh, our girl beatrice harrison is a sagittarius nice um she was born december 9th yes um hey. yes which i know habeka i mean we'll get to you later i know you're a sagittarius too yeah. right yeah um <laughs> but it's a fire sign um yeah, and I apparently the favorite day is Thursday. Who knew? Um, <laughs> um, and I guess some strengths of Sagittarius's are they're generous, idealistic, and they have a great sense of humor. I, I don't know too much about Beatrice to say that she she was those things, but you know what? <laughs> if she is, even better. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So I chose Joan Tower. Mm. It was the first that came to my mind. I've played some music. I've played two pieces by Joan Tower. I don't know, but the one I really love is called Night Fields, and my cello professor picked it for us to play in my last year of college, and it's actually based off of the DSCH motif. Oh my of... god, Aaron! <laughs> I didn't pick it. I wish oh, all yeah. of the listeners at home could see Erin's face and she was going the DSCH <laughs> Like that was one of the one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> I just know I know it's like it seems like I would have picked it, but I swear I didn't. Let's <laughs> hear my computer sound. I'm so I, excited. I didn't like I just picked okay, it's a piece that's in technically one movement, but it's, like, separated into three. It's one of those weird ones where mm-hmm. they were just, like, a... You know you know how composers do things. I mean, composers are, you know, they're different. Here we go. So I, this is where the, like, quote-unquote second movement starts, because I think it's gorgeous. Mm.
I need a moment. I need a moment. I, yeah. That's so good. That's about to go, like, number one on my, I wish I could play that right now. You, it's also one of those things where it felt so hard to put together in quartet, but, like, it, we did it, and it was, like, two, four freaking undergrads who don't know what they were doing. <laughs> I need it right now. It's so good. I have such good memory. It's such good music. Oh, it my God. It is. Okay, wait, but. Important question, what's her star sign? She's a Virgo. What? Wow. It matches though. I think for Joan Tower, she's kind of I see like a it. fox. She's such a And like a tiny bit moody. Just a tiny bit. Not a lot. Just a little yeah. bit of mood. Yeah. I but she's it. very like large and in charge of her career. Like mm. you if you read her bio, it's just like bam, 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 bam. <laughs> this, this, this. Great large and in charge. Father, like, okay. Mm. I go get it, girl. You got it all. I see it. I see She's it. She's great. I love her. I'm obsessed. Unless her name's Tower, like, okay. Ugh. So, maybe we should share our star signs. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah. we're all female musicians, and, you know. <laughs> so, I am... So what's your... Well, I mean, I'll give you, like, just a little bit of information. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Libra. Um, but I'm an Aquarius moon and a Capricorn rising. So, um, take that what you will. Um, <laughs> do um, you care a little bit about I that? I think it just means... I actually don't know. Like, Libra, like, I know that, um, it's like the diplomat. Like, it's very, um, balance. like, balance. Likes to balance things, right? Um, yeah, so I feel like... I identify with that a little bit. I mean, I can only really compare or, like, think about, like, how, like, for studio, for example. Like, I, like, want everyone to, like, get along. We're all friends. You know what I mean? And I always, like, joke. I'm like, if we're going to suffer, like, let's suffer together. You know, it's all very fair. And I feel like that's where my Libra comes in. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I But I am a Scorpio cusp, may I just add. Um, I'm, like two days away from Scorpio nice. so um there you go <laughs> awesome stunning stunning <laughs> all right well I'm a Gemini oh my gosh so Geminis are supposed to be kind of two-sided I really when I remember when you told us a while ago that you were a Gemini and I just didn't connect the dots because I know when your birthday is. But, like, yeah. you're just so not a Gemini. But then you told me that you're a double Gemini. I'm a double Gemini. So it must cancel out. Oh. <laughs> but one of my coworkers <laughs> at the Children's Museum was like, oh, it makes sense because you're a musician. And I was like, okay. Um, huh? <laughs> Geminis are supposed to be artistic. It's an Oh, uh, I guess lucky that is numbers, true. The lucky numbers are, like, exactly... Um, like, four is my mom's lucky number. Oh. Seven is mine. Fours and sevens are always, like, good for me. Eleven, also, I religiously practice making a wish at eleven. 11 you do. I do know this about you. Fourteen you... and sevens, so too. And then twenty, that's a little odd, but I guess 2020 was an important year. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I share a birthday with, like, Kanye West and Donald Trump, so we're doing good. Wait, what element is Gemini? Air. Oh, I'm an air. Oh my god, oh. hey air. 
<laughs> also, I do know apparently that like Libras are most compatible with Gemini. So hey, girl, Aww. what's up? That makes sense. I feel like <laughs> I knew you before I met you. That's very true. I feel like we all kind of. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, um, I am a Sagittarius. Sagittarius. I stand. Element is fire, and its quality is mutable. And the color I loved is blue, and that's true. You, I mean, yeah, you blue love blue. My color, I like a dark blue. Actually, depending all the kinds of blue, depending on the day, that's they're very pretty. Interesting. What are some I, characteristics? I can't yeah. remember now. Oh, okay. So I actually have um, astral map. How do you call that? Oh, astral map. Yeah, you said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like a, a free sample? And uh, <laughs> the website. Um, my moon is in. How is how is Pisces in English? A fish. It's not fish. Pisces. Pisces. Yeah. Look at I me go. Pisces. <laughs> my ascend ascendant. You call? You could say ascendant or rising. It's in aqua aquarium. Aquarius. Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I don't know much about that, but some of the characteristics of a Sagittarius is curious and energetic. Mm -hmm. um, we are one of the biggest travelers among all zodiac signs. And when I read that, at first, I, I thought that it makes a lot of sense with me <laughs> because I do love traveling. Um, we like freedom, travel, philosophy, and being outdoors. And it was so funny that today I was reading, well, I was reading that I was actually outdoors and I was like, yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> One of our uh, lucky numbers are 3, 7, 9, 12, and 21. Yes. It got me by surprise because I actually prefer, um, it's the opposite of odd. Even. Num even numbers. Yeah. So, but there is 112. And I like 12, so I think it makes mm. sense. <laughs> um, I love 12. 12 is one, is one of my favorite numbers. Mine too. 7 and 12 for me. One of uh, the greatest overall compatibility is with Gemini. <gasps> and oh my god, everyone loves a Gemini, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so and here you are, Aaron. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Right. Well, this is fascinating to me. We're going to have to, honestly, it can, I feel like just knowing some characteristics can just help you with mental health, you know, like be like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I feel like it can just help you guide yourself to make decisions mm -hmm. if you can't make a decision by yourself. I agree with you. I feel that is kind of a, a guide. You can, it's easier to, for me at least, to identify who I am or to mm -hmm. understand situations mm -hmm. by comparing. And then I, I can think about if it's it relates to me or not, or how it relates. And, I, and then I can understand a little bit more about myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, Habeka. That word. You forgot. <laughs> by the eye roll you just did. What's the Portuguese like word? <laughs> What's the Portuguese word of the day? Well, today's Portuguese word of the day. 
Okay, maybe I have to ask for some help. <laughs> Do you like what about yeah, star? What's that? Or women? Oh. Either one. Ooh, okay. Mulher. 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 But there's like a y. Mulher. It is a L H. Mulher. Looks like Mahler. It does look like Mahler. It's just like looks like you misspelled it. Mulher. Mulher. L H in Portuguese. It's when you speak like. Lier, but very fast. Lier. Oh, Mulier. 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 Where is the. It's on the. Mulier. Mulier. Yeah. Mulier. Eight pickup. Mulier. I love how we have to do that. That's so Perfect. Is that the plural or singular? That is the singular. Wait, is that woman or star? That's woman. Woman. Whoa. And the sing the plural is mulheres. Mulher, Why can't I say it? <laughs> You're almost there. Almost mulheres. there. Yes, that okay. was great. Okay, okay, great job. Okay. Well, you guys, how was your week? How was your tuning this week? Chaotic. <laughs> Mine was so chaos and chaotic. Yeah. It was fun. I'll say I got through it. Um, okay, well, no, I'm downplaying. I did get to work at Stamble, which has been the light of my life. Yeah, that's fun. I was your first fun. transaction. Yeah, you were. Victoria came. Oh, nice. I had to pick up my bow, and I, I knew Aaron was working from like uh -huh. two to four, and so I was like, "Oh, I'll come by." Yeah. And you were. I was. I was the the guinea pig for Aaron working the, the credit card machine. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. It was cute. It was so fun. And it's it's just so nice. It's one of those things that's refreshing. And I think when it gets so busy like this, doing, like, I lose my love of music a little bit in the chaos. But being back at Stamina where it's, like, it's casual, mm -hmm. but it's comfortable. Yeah, I get that. And it's, like... You just play instruments to play instruments and help people. Like, everybody who walks in there, like, loves music in some way, shape, or form. So, it's just refreshing, or, like, to see an old couple just looking for shoulder rest. And it's like, Aww. oh, like, they got two. Normally, you just get one, but they got two. That is cute. Oh, my and God. And I smile, like, the whole shift and writing appraisals for people who just bought a new instrument. Like, it's really, because I know they're having a good day because they just got a new violin. Like, I really like to write up that appraisal. Aww. I don't know. So that has been bringing a lot of joy. But everything else is just, oh my gosh, chaos. Yeah. Rebecca, you know we have, like, the same schedule. <laughs> it's so hard. Really, really crazy. Yeah, but I'll give it... I'm, I'll give it still an 8 out of 10. Because among the chaos, there are a lot of bright spots. Mm. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. My, my week... I don't know, y'all. It started off fine i was in a master class like the first master class mm -hmm. i've been in since covid is a thing which was super strange and weird and i got really nervous but i think it was just because i i haven't performed like i haven't right. i haven't performed by myself 
on a stage in like a really long time. Um, and I don't, I don't count like recordings because it's not the same. I don't know. Um, but then it was like a weird thing to be like, oh, there's like more than like 10 people watching me, but it's on a computer. Right. Yeah. Very strange, but it went well and you know, that was fun. And then, yeah, I'm going to say chaos for the rest of it. You know, I'm counting down the weeks. I think we, I think we all are. (laughs) I know that I have seven weeks left. So, um, yeah. And yeah, lucky number seven. That's so true. Um, and, uh, I still need to order my cap and gown. I keep saying I'm going to do it and I keep being like, I can't remember. I just don't. Yeah. We'll do it together next. Yeah, let's do it. We can just do it after this or something. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and well, then are you trying to put it off again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, my intonation is always sharp. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing every week. I get the same comment in my lesson every week. My intonation is is bright is the word. Bright. Which I don't think is a bad thing, but You're one of the bright spots in my um, chaotic week. I'm gonna cry. Oh my god, that's so kind. No. <laughs> um, I'm gonna it give this so week. Cute. It was better than last week, so I'll give it. I don't know what I gave it last week. I'm just gonna say a seven because that's my lucky number, and nice. I'm gonna go with that. Solid. Seven out of ten. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, my week has been very similar to your yours because, well, oh yeah. well, <laughs> we're doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah definitely had some really good moments i was really happy with the weather there was a lot of sun in my week which was awesome there was also acupuncture which was great what else Mm, i can't remember (laughs) how's your intonation (laughs) oh my intonation was pretty bad i have a lot of double stops oh yeah I also feel we always get the same comment, Hebeka. We're always sharp. Yes, I'm always I'm I'm a little bit sharp, and apparently, I should be playing more, playing out more. Huh. <laughs> we use I have to I have to use more bow. Hmm. But that's not related to intonation, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of intonation. Intonation is a word that can be used in many situations. Mm, use the intonation of my sound. Yeah, my sound intonation was not pretty good this week. But, oh yes, I remember. That was a really funny thing. Yesterday, I hurted my finger, <laughs> my toe. Oh, and, no. yeah. And middle toe. You guys, this story was so funny. I'm, I still don't believe that I did it, you know. It is something so... You were dancing. Incredibly you were having fun and dancing, and you hurt your toe. I kicked this is it's not broken. Yes. And I still cannot believe that I actually hurt <laughs> my, t- my finger. It is kind of funny. <laughs> While I, and if you see the move that I was trying to do, it was just like a turn. It was like nothing very fancy, you know. We make turns all the time with our body. Yeah. But still, I managed to do that and actually hurt my finger. I guess maybe Aww. dance with shoes from now on. Yeah. Oh, I was with shoes. You were wearing closed-toed shoes? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's dang. Abteka, you must have really you must have whacked it so hard. I know. And still like almost purple black like my whole finger. 
And it was really funny. I didn't realize how stupid it was until I had to s explain the doctors what happened. So I had to explain like the doctor what happened and then he left. And I had to explain the x-ray lady what happened. And then she was like, oh really? The middle finger of all the fingers. <laughs> like, You know, I can really relate to this because every time I've broken a bone, it's because I slipped on ice. And it's... I feel so dumb. And they're like, oh, what did you do? And I'm like, I, I slipped. But I think it's still like a reasonable thing because it's not something that it is control. Anyways, it was the highlight of my week. <laughs> like how you're so positive. Rebecca, you're literally so positive. I can't. Like, you're like, it was the highlight of my week. And I'm like, that would have been like the worst part of my week. Literally, I was having so much fun. It was like finally doing something different, you know? I had to go to the doctor, I had to see different people and I had to like actually talk to people and I was like, and he actually asked, do you want to do x-ray? You don't need to, but because the treatment is going to be the same if it's broken or not. And I was like, mm, yeah, how long is it going to take? I think it would be fun. Let's do the x-ray. Oh my gosh. And I was like, hi, I came here to do the x-ray. <laughs> That's so funny. It was fun. I literally can't with you. That's so funny. I wish I were there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish Aaron and I would have come with you. <laughs> I need to do the x-ray. Oh yeah. The lady, she was, she looked at me like as I was lost and like, hi, darling, do you need help? I'm like, mm, I guess I should do the x-ray here. The doctor sent me. Oh my god. That's and so it was funny. really sunny outside, so we... I can't help to get affected by sunny days. Mm, that's very true. Aww. Love that. Thank you. Well, I guess we're at the end of our podcast. Yeah. As always, our episodes go up every Saturday in the morning. You can find us on Facebook at Out of Tune Podcast and on Instagram at Out of Tune Pod. And this has been Out of Tune on Zoom. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.